0: Welcome to the May 2023 episode of RCV Clips, our podcast about all things ranked choice voting. I'm Chris, a member of the Resource Center staff. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Maine Secretary of State Shanna Bellows about everything ranked choice voting in Maine. Secretary Bellows, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. I love ranked choice voting.
0: I'd love to hear it. (laughs) So first things first, I want to sort of set some context for listeners. Can you talk about your office's role in elections in the state of Maine?
1: So as Maine's Secretary of State and Chief Election Officer, I oversee state and federal and county elections all across our state. But we administer our elections at the municipal level. So Maine has more than 500 municipalities, (laughs) large and very, very small. And they are actually running their own elections. This is in contrast. A lot of states across the country run elections at the county level. But here it's at the town level. And so as a result, we are standardizing, providing consistent training to our municipal clerks, our local election officials. We're providing the ballots, the tabulators that they use to tabulate the vote, and we are certifying the vote itself. We also oversee the technology that's used statewide, for example, the central voter registration and election management system that all of our municipalities use to manage voter registration and voter participation.
0: Very cool. So I'm curious, you've been at the secretary's office, you've been the secretary now for about a year and a half. Is that right?
1: That's right. I was sworn into office two days prior to January 6th, but in stark relief, the importance of this role in protecting our democracy and creating agency for the voters through measures like ranked choice voting is a really important piece of that.
0: Yeah, well, with that said, I know, you know, ranked choice voting has been used in Maine since 2018. You ran your first round of ranked choice voting elections in your role last year. Can you talk a little bit about that, how that went?
1: It was fun. So keep in mind, Maine passed ranked choice voting through a referendum process. And back then, I was an advocate. I was one of the founding members of the Committee for Ranked Choice Voting. We ran a referendum campaign in 2016. Uh, the Maine legislature, uh, which I w- joined in 2016 as a state senator, tried to delay or tinker with ranked choice voting. And in fact, we ended up running what's called a people's veto referendum, which is a mechanism in Maine whereby if a large enough group of people are upset with something the legislature's done, they can bring it to ballot and overturn that. And so we've had two statewide votes on ranked choice voting here in our state and both times. The voters have voted overwhelmingly in favor of ranked choice voting, but there was still significant opposition. It went to the main Supreme Court. And the outcome of that was that we have ranked choice voting in our federal elections and in our state primaries. So my first opportunity for ranked choice voting was uh, running the 2022 election. And so in our state level primaries for state house in June of 2022, we did have a race a Republican primary for state Senate uh, that went to a ranked choice voting tabulation. And then even more exciting, we had a statewide ranked choice voting tabulation for congressional district two in Maine. Maine has two congressional districts and our most purple district, the district that gave one electoral vote to Donald Trump in 2020 and is currently held by Congressman Jared Golden. That race went to ranked choice voting tabulation because there's an independent candidate as well as the Republican candidate, Bruce Poliquin, and then Jared Golden. And so we, we had to do that centralized statewide tabulation. And it was a hoop. <laughs> I mean, you know, election administration at its best is pretty boring, but we did, you know, bring in the ballots from the small hand count towns. So towns that are smaller than 700 voters are hand count towns. And then towns with more than 700 voters, we use this uh, ESNS tabulator, so they have memory devices. So we brought those memory devices, those ballots into. Uh, we used the administrative headquarters of the Maine State Police, and we did a statewide tabulation. It took multiple days. We live streamed it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It was riveting TV, I tell you, because I narrated the whole thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I love that you all live stream like that transparency. I think. Adds a lot of value, helps people see sort of behind the scenes of what it takes the high drama of scanning ballots from these hand count towns in.
1: It was really a great opportunity for education. I mean, again, I think one of the challenges that we're living in is this era of disinformation, misinformation, malinformation. Mm-hmm. And so that opportunity to live stream the ranked choice voting tabulation helped demystify the process. Yeah. Voters could see directly. What was happening as I talked for literally hours over three days, where we were feeding the ballots from the hand count towns through the high-speed tabulator, where we were uploading the data from the memory devices from the tabulator count towns. We were bringing in the tabulation of votes from overseas and uniform service voters and voters could see we went county by county, municipality by municipality, what had been completed, what was still yet to come. They could also see the bipartisan participation in these processes. So under Maine law, like many states across the country, election workers have to be recruited from both political parties and election observers from both parties and indeed candidates are invited to be present. So people could see on the live stream that congenial work being done by Republicans and Democrats in the the room as they were reviewing the ranked choice voting tabulation against the election night reporting of data. We were able to explain any delays that happened and steps put into motion to keep the tabulation on track, but also share other election information as well.
0: Yeah, well, that's something I wanted to dig in on. You mentioned earlier, you know, dealing with the threats of MIS and DIS and MAL information. And I'm curious, what you've seen bubble up in Maine, I'd say in general about elections, specifically about ranked choice voting. And obviously, this transparency is a huge part of that. But what other steps has your office been taking to combat that sort of information that's out there?
1: I think the best antidote to disinformation, malinformation and misinformation is trusted information from trusted sources and radical transparency. So, it's incredibly interesting for election geeks like you and I talking today, (laughs) or those folks listening to this podcast. For some members of the general public, it can be repetitive and probably boring in the best sense of the word, and that it's uneventful. But I think, even that hearing the processes, hearing the security measures, hearing the explanations, Mm -hmm. I think perhaps boring gives comfort to people who might otherwise fall victim to conspiracy theories which are not boring, but also, you know, so disruptive and so anxiety creating. And so I think displaying the process, displaying the results. And then in terms of disinformation that we see, I mean, it ranges. We see some of the same things that we see across the country. So there's a lot of confusion about tabulators. And I always explain tabulators as modern day abacuses, right? They're hardened machines. They are not connected to the internet, not via Wi-Fi, not via cable. They are simply modern day counting machines. And that's something that's really important to share with people because, you know, they hear about hackers or they hear about some of the attacks online, including from our foreign adversaries, and they worry could the tabulator be hacked. And to reassure people, to show them look, it can't be, is very comforting. And, you know. Because of that disinformation, sometimes people call for hand count. And so to see on live stream or on TV that these ranked choice voting tabulations uphold the integrity of the election night reporting, Mm -hmm. and we also do a lot of recounts in Maine, we're a very purple state, uh, and the threshold is fairly low. Um, So for people to see, oh, the outcome, the recount, or the ranked choice voting tabulation Is verifying election night reporting and then taking us into the next step of the RCV winner. I think that's pretty helpful in combating disinformation.
0: Yeah. And I, I think one thing you said was really interesting is like sort of making clear how a little boring and mundane it is. I think the irony is that's what makes it fertile ground for conspiracies. People are like, it can't be this repetitive and like procedural, but it really is ultimately like that's. What makes effective election administration is having these sort of like clear and rote processes in place.
1: That's exactly right. I always say the best election workers are accountants or logistics managers Mm -hmm. by by either training or avocation. And one of the things that we try to do with people who have misconceptions about ranked choice voting or about elections in general is welcome them in as poll workers or poll observers. Our law provides for both. Uh, Anyone can observe an election or accounting process as long as they are observing the protocols and rules with inside the polling place. And similarly, we're always recruiting election workers from multiple parties. And so Inviting some of our biggest skeptics into the process so they can see for themselves how it works has had been very powerful in helping to educate voters. And I can't tell you how many times it happened multiple times in 2022, where people who previously had believed conspiracies about 2020, who may have fallen victim to some election denialism, you know, said to me, you know, I'm so glad I did this you know, I really trust what we're doing here in me. Mm-hmm. Now, if there was a way to bring that trust from their local or state elections out to the national elections, yeah. we'd be doing very well as a country. But that's the first step is getting them involved and engaged so that they're part of what they can see for themselves is a remarkably boring but <laughs> secure and fair process.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I've heard that sort of thing from folks across the country. It's like when you invite people in and show them like, here's step by step how it works, they suddenly, I think, start to understand what makes the processes secure, what makes these the results trustworthy, how it is we prove to ourselves like this is the election, this is how everybody voted. Taking a step back, I want to talk a little bit about voter education in Maine. You've been through now... Three full cycles, primary and general elections with ranked choice voting. And I'm curious to hear your reflections on, you know, as you use ranked choice voting more, how is your office thinking about the voter education side of things? What stays the same? What changes and adapts? How are you updating your voter education plan as people become more familiar with ranked choice voting in Maine?
1: We are continuing to do some of the things that we've always done and that we believe that face-to-face voter education can be some of the most powerful education that we do. Mm -hmm. And so the pandemic really increased our reliance on video and online content to help educate people. Now we're really trying to get back into communities. And so in 2022, for example, we really thought about communities that would be new to the process that could really benefit from that voter education. So I did a lot of outreach to students. Maine, we're very proud. We're one of two states in the nation where every citizen has a constitutional right to vote. Maine, Vermont is the other. So that includes students who are attending school here in our state. We have some wonderful colleges and universities in Maine and students can either vote in their home of origin where they went to high school or where they're attending college or university here in our state. That includes our newest citizens. We're really proud of our growing new Mainer population as Maine has done some incredible work over the last decade and longer in welcoming immigrants, refugees and asylum seekers to our state. Mm-hmm. And then also something that makes Maine a little bit unique from most other states except Vermont is that people who are incarcerated also have a constitutional right to vote. So last fall, I traveled the state talking to students at community colleges, universities, private colleges. I spoke to high schools. We ran a mock election in the high schools. in mean you can pre-register to vote at age 16 so that when you're eligible to vote, 17 for a primary, if you'll be 18 on or before the general election in November, that they're ready to go, that they're already registered and signed up. So we did a lot of speaking to students. I did a lot of speaking to immigrant communities. We partnered with the Maine Immigrants Rights Coalition to do a large multicultural immigrant outreach to new Mainers about their voting rights and Maine election laws. I did an event with the Cambodian community that we did a simultaneous translation for uh, so that seniors in that community with limited English could have full information about their voting rights and our election laws. I visited a local mosque. And so that type of outreach to new citizens was important. And then we also did outreach to all of our state correctional institutions all across the state to make sure that residents of those correctional institutions were registered or had access to request an absentee ballot and were comfortable with the process of ranked choice voting. Now, ranked choice voting, honestly, is not complicated. I know most of the country has not yet followed Maine's lead. We hope they will. But we make these choices every day, right? Right. Chocolate chip cookie dough is my favorite ice cream. But if they don't have that, I know I would rather have mint chocolate chip than Cherry <laughs> Garcia. <laughs> so and not that this is an app for Ben and Jerry's. It's just where my mind is right now. <laughs> but, you know, similarly, in our daily lives, we rank things all of the time, our first, our second or third choices. So there's some key fundamentals that we shared with states like Alaska as they have embarked on ranked choice voting. You know, you need really clear ballot design that makes it very obvious to the voter what their options are and how to proceed. And then also, you know, clear procedures around tabulation. But we have not seen voter confusion. Mm This is something that opponents of ranked choice voting alleged would be a serious problem. And to the contrary, we we have never seen high levels of spoiled ballots or ballots that have otherwise um, not been able to be counted. Voters are showing that, that they understand the process and they're capable of picking their first, second, and third or more choices.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. I think the interesting thing about changes like this is you only ever hear people complaining. Nobody's ever like, everything's working just fine. But with that said, do you generally hear, does your office hear from voters saying like, oh, this was great. What have you heard from voters individually about ranked choice voting?
1: I think to your point, Everything is working just fine. (laughs) (laughs) We really don't hear a lot of complaints about ranked choice voting. Now, the committee for ranked choice voting had representation from Democratic and Republican parties, as well as independents, unenrolled and Green Party members. Mm -hmm. What we have seen since adoption of ranked choice voting is a partisan trend with more objections from uh, leadership in the Republican Party. But, you know, there was an effort to repeal ranked choice voting just recently in the Maine legislature, and it went over like a lead balloon. And indeed, there was a Republican who, you know, spoke up and said, look, this is what the people have asked for. This is what the people want. And I think one of the challenges that the people who sought to repeal it had was they couldn't really point to any problems. They were sort of ideologically opposed to the idea. but had to acknowledge that there weren't any issues. It really has been very successful here in the state.
0: Yeah, well, I'd love to hear a bit more about that bill. or I'm curious what you can share about what your office did, how you coordinated with legislators, with advocacy organizations on that repeal, on fighting the repeal.
1: There's an excellent and very strong coalition of pro-election individuals and organizations on the ground working in Maine. We've had a number of very positive election reforms. Before I was a state senator, I was executive director of the ACLU of Maine, and in that capacity, led a statewide ballot campaign to preserve same-day voter registration, for example, another really important pro-democracy reform that Maine has had in place for a long time and has helped make us one of the best states in the nation for voter participation. So working with allies is always key. I try to make myself available to anyone who wants to meet or have conversations about voting rights, about election law. And certainly we had some great, strong partners here on the ground in Maine, Mm -hmm. leaders like the League of Women Voters, the ACLU, who've been terrific and want to applaud our national partners as well. Fair Vote. It's so incredible to have this really robust support from the nonprofit, nonpartisan democracy sector. With legislators, we have trusted partners in the legislature on both sides of the aisle. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree. I mentioned Republican leadership. That's an area where we agree to disagree is ranked choice voting sometimes. But we have some powerful chairs of our elections committee. It's called the Veterans and Legal Affairs Committee. We have an amazing Senator, Craig Hickman, and a representative who actually used to work for the Secretary of State, uh, Laura Topeka, they co-chair that committee. And they understand and get election law and ranked choice voting and the importance of it. It's in their bones. They're wonderful partners. One of the things that I think is part of this building trust is being willing to have these conversations. Another way Maine is unique from many other states is every bill in Maine gets a public hearing in committee and a committee vote. Every bill? Every bill wow. that's introduced by a legislator. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we're a part-time legislature.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of time.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of bills. It's it's over 1,000 bills every year. And each one of them gets a committee hearing where any member of the public can come and testify to the legislature. There's usually a three-minute limit, but anybody can show up and speak and know that that bill is going to get a committee vote. Mm-hmm. Now, if the bill gets a unanimous committee vote, then the votes on the House and Senate floor are what's called under the hammer, basically with a bang of a gavel unless someone objects. But every bill goes through the committee process and goes to the House, Senate, and floor. So that means that even when there are bills that you, you know you have strong allies, uh, like our chairs, like the bill to repeal ranked choice voting, you have to take it seriously because it's going to have that public hearing, there's going to be a public debate, and there are going to be votes not only in the committee but on the floor. And that's certainly what happened with that bill. And mm-hmm. we were able to you know, knock it down and happy to do so. <laughs> happy to have that conversation about why we think ranked choice voting is so important.
0: Yeah. What were the big points you hit when you were going through that effort?
1: When I talk about why ranked choice voting is so important, there are two reasons that I really think just make it such a remarkable voting reform. One is agency for the voter. We want to empower the voter to have maximum ability to have their voice heard and this democratic republic that we hold so dear. And ranked choice voting really maximizes that voter empowerment. It empowers voters to vote their heart and vote their principles, not engage in strategic voting. So they can vote for the candidate that they really want without fearing that doing so may result in the election of the person that they least support. Mm-hmm. And this is important to me because Maine is a state where we're very independent minded and we've had a number of races, um, including for governor and other offices where there have been independents, Republicans and Democrats in the race. And suddenly you have one side or another engaged in this sort of strategic thinking, should I vote for this person or this person? Like, if I vote for the person I want, does that mean the person I really don't want is going to edge it out? The second reason that I think this is so important, and I think this is also really important and good for democracy, is it requires politicians to speak to a larger audience. Mm -hmm. If you know that you have to secure 50% plus one, secure an outright majority through the ranked choice voting process. Your strategy is going to be different. You have to speak to a majority of the voters. You can't simply engage in the politics of demonization and turning out a vocal minority because that won't be enough. You have to be able to speak to a larger group of voters and thereby be accountable to a larger percentage of the voters. Again, you know, we're in an era of polarization where it's seemingly increasingly difficult for people to come together to find common ground and shared values. And ranked choice voting creates electoral success rooted in that ability to find common ground and connect with the majority of the electorate.
0: Yep. If only everybody could get on board. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they will. It's a process, right?
0: <laughs> Give it time. Yeah.
1: We have to demystify it, bring it onto to everyone's level.
0: Yeah, that's something I'm curious about, too, speaking about demystifying, talking about the legislative process. You know, there have been ranked choice footing bills introduced in legislatures across the country this year. There's one in Vermont that's still kicking around. There's been a few others in New England and in the Northeast. I'm curious if people have been reaching out to your office to hear, you know, how is it working in Maine? How has that process been? Who have you heard from who's been asking questions?
1: Certainly. So some of those questions are, you know, very public, where we've had, you know, public testimony. For example, in Oregon, I was invited to speak to legislators via Zoom. And then some of those conversations have been quieter, more private conversations where fellow secretaries have wanted to know, so tell me more. How does it really work? (laughs) Is this something, you know, we should be looking into? And my answer is always yes. And I really appreciate that opportunity to testify we're invited. And I have really strong partnerships with my fellow secretaries, both Republicans and Democrats across the country. We're all part of the National Association of Secretaries of State. And so it's important to me that I'm not trying to make a fellow secretary look bad or be in opposition with them. You know, I don't want someone coming in and telling me why we shouldn't have Say same day voter registration. Oh yeah. But that being said, it's been really positive to be able to to share Maine's experience where we've been invited. I think I mentioned Alaska earlier in the podcast. Um, we were invited to talk to folks in Alaska about our experience, and we talked about you know ballot design, strong ballot design, tabulation procedures. So you know we we want our fellow states to succeed, and, and we do want them to really seriously contemplate taking this on. And sometimes it means having adequate resources, adequately resourcing the transition to ranked choice voting and creating a timeline for success. So it's not necessarily something you can do overnight. You mentioned 2018 for us. And I think that, you know, Mm -hmm. thinking through what those timelines are, thinking through what resources are required and thinking through the voter education required in your state, those are all key components to... Maintaining that broad public support, which I will suspect is probably out there no matter where you go. I don't think this is just Maine. I mean, Maine is wonderful. Everyone should come here this summer. It's the place to be. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't think it's just the culture in Maine or the ethic in Maine that makes ranked choice voting preferable. I think many voters across the nation have been frustrated with the idea of binary choices in elections. And ranked choice voting creates more opportunity to really make your voice heard, but also have some comfort in knowing that whoever moves forward is going to have to have secured uh, the support of a majority of the electorate.
0: Yeah. I have just a couple more questions. I'm looking forward to next year. Is your office thinking about making any changes or updates to the ranked choice voting process or are you going to keep things most of the same for 2024?
1: 2024 is going to be an exciting year for ranked choice voting in Maine. Assuming there are enough candidates in these races to require using ranked choice voting, we'll see primaries for president, U.S. senator, U.S. representatives, state senators, and state representatives using ranked choice voting. Plus, of course, general elections for president, the United States Senate, and House. While voters in the cities of Portland and Westbrook will also have elections using ranked choice voting. Given how close people are already predicting the presidential race will be, there's a chance we'll have a really big spotlight on Maine in the days following Election Day. Should we need to run a ranked choice voting tabulation either statewide or in either of our congressional districts since Maine splits our electoral college votes by congressional district? Mm -hmm. And who knows? Maybe we'll have races for U.S. Senate or House that will require ranked choice voting tabulation as well.
0: Yeah, that'll be really cool. I'm really curious because, you know, there's always a dozen people on the presidential ballot. We only think about two of them, but I'm curious to see what people might do if they can rank them instead. One other thing I've been hearing about a bit is that there's a bill, I think it passed last year, to set up a post-election audit study committee. And I was curious just to hear more about that. I remember hearing about the bill passing and I haven't heard it much since. Is that something your office is working on right now? Has it been funded? What's the status of that?
1: That's right. So when I was a state senator, I introduced a bill to require post-election audits in Maine. This is unfortunately an area where we had lagged behind the rest of the country. We were one of the last remaining states not to have post-election audits. And part of that was because I mentioned earlier, we have a very low threshold for recounts. And because we're a purple state with independent redistricting, Uh, We often have very randomly competitive races and every single general election cycle, we have multiple recounts that have time and time again upheld the integrity of the vote and and of the count. But that being said, as secretary, I was really excited in my first term to back a post election audits bill and see that move through the legislature. It was sponsored by local senator Nicole Grahowski. It was fun to see her sponsor the bill that I had brought unsuccessfully four years prior, but now I'd had my office's support. We were able to secure funding. So state government wheels can sometimes move slowly. That's often a good thing, but we are still in the process of awaiting approval for those positions to be posted publicly and, and hired. And so we're hoping to stand that unit up in the coming months. And it certainly will be in place before 2024. Mm-hmm. We'll be piloting post-election audits and risk-limiting audits in 2024 and then moving hopefully identifying what the best ways are to do this best practices with our municipalities and then moving forward to make those permanent. But we'll have an entire audit division. So I also run the Bureau of Motor Vehicles and this might be super boring except for all of the most uh, wonky of nerds that are listening, but we have an audit division at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles auditing the work that municipalities do on vehicle registration. So. We really thought, you know, this merits an independent audit division that will be working to audit processes at the municipal level, making sure that they have the required standards in place for safeguarding ballots and equipment, for example. Mm-hmm. But then also auditing the results through a risk-limiting audit. So we're excited.
0: Yeah, that's super exciting. I'm. I can't wait to see what uh, you all can put together. Thank you. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want to share with us today before we wrap up?
1: The main slogan is Maine, the way life should be. It's not on our license plates. On our license plates is vacation land. But (laughs) (laughs) when we talk about ranked choice voting, what we want people to know is it's not particularly mysterious. It's really empowering the voters, giving voters agency, and making politicians more accountable to the majority. We have been able to make it work here in a small state with diverse uh, small election units through because we administer elections at the municipal level. If Maine can make it work, we think other states can make it work and should make it work. So we stand ready to educate the voters, educate the public, and educate our fellow election officials across the country to hopefully see this happen in more states across the land.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. And we really appreciate all the work your office is doing to make it work in Maine and answer any questions people might have about how this all works. Okay, it turns out I have one last question I forgot. We have our sort of like signature RCV clips question. How would you describe main ranked choice voting in three words or less?
1: (laughs) You saved the hardest question for last. (laughs) Fair, secure, empowering.
0: That was great. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Secretary Bellows, for joining us today and for providing this wealth of information for our listeners. We really appreciate it.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, a useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Celia Canavan with this month's final round. Did you know that the Vermont Public Interest Research Group teamed up with Ben & Jerry's to use Ranked Choice Voting to pick Burlington's favorite ice cream flavor? Using an RCV ballot, voters were able to choose between Fish Food, Chunky Monkey, American Dream, Non-Dairy Chocolate Chip, and Cherry Garcia, and now have Cherry Garcia as the city's favorite ice cream flavor. This fun and collaborative way to help voters practice Ranked Choice Voting makes it this month's final round. Thank you for joining us today for our May 2023 RCV Clips episode produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the show for the latest episodes and updates, and please take a minute to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about the RCVRC and Ranked Choice Voting, check out our website, rcvresources.org. The production of this podcast is supported by the generosity of our donors. Donations can be made directly on the website or by texting DONATERCV, all caps and all one word, to 51555. Please don't hesitate to contact us with any donation questions at donate at rcvresources.org. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rcvresources and on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at rcvrc. Our theme music is Flutterby by Pottington Bear. Until next time, I'm Chris Hughes on behalf of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.